Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is the Grave Plot Podcast, episode 77. I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. Thanks for joining us again, guys. You're welcome. Yep. Um, so how's it going? Eh, you know. Yeah. It's going. Mm-hmm. We had uh, a good dialogue going, but this is like the third time we tried <laughs> to record the, sh- the show, so... I was just saying that it, uh, it feels like it's been a really long time since we recorded, even though it's been the normal two weeks. Yeah, and I, it, you made a good point that it's like we, we were dealing with the holidays pretty much the entire month of December. Yeah, we actually had stuff taking up our time. Yeah, and now we're just sitting back and doing nothing. Yeah. Counting down the days to the end of the world. Not many left. <laughs> nope. Uh, I posted on Facebook. It's like, uh, okay, Seahawks lost. Now Trump's going to be president. What's what's even the point anymore? <laughs> There's nothing left to live for. <laughs> yeah, we were trying to figure out if you were being serious or not. <laughs> you and your girlfriend? Yeah. <laughs> Tony, you need help? <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a disappointing loss yesterday, mainly yeah. because we did so poorly. Yeah. We played like uh, it was a preseason game. I mean, Falcons are a good team. I give them credit. They have like they are, one of the worst defenses in the league, and they walked all over us. Yeah. <laughs> I also think they're a bunch of dirty players, but... Yeah, they got all away with so much. It was pathetic. Yeah, and Bennett was fucking livid after the game. Yeah. Actually, I I heard about it. I turned it off. Like, I about... Leading into the fourth quarter, I turned the game off. I just couldn't watch it anymore. It hurt too bad. <laughs> I turned it off and then I turned it back on when we scored the touchdown like right away, and then but then they they scored again. So I was like, okay, um, that's it. That seems like our it's our mo lately. It's like we'll just get dominated through an entire game, and then the fourth quarter will be like, oh, we need to win this one, guys. <laughs> sometimes it works, and sometimes you know we're down by two touchdowns and we can only get one, and then we lose anyway. Yeah, that's fun, fun times. <laughs> I'd Life say of a Seattle sports fan. Yeah. I'd say we could look forward to the baseball season, but that's probably not going to be good either. Probably not. Anyway. So uh, what else is new with you? Anything going on? Um, No, not really. January is kind of a low point of the year. There's not really like that high from the holidays is starting to wear off and there's not really much else going on. Yeah. You hear about this they live thing? No. Uh, apparently... Um, a certain sect of people have decided that they live is about uh, Jewish people taking over the world. What? <laughs> and uh, yeah, so Carpenter himself decided he had to take to Twitter and be like, um, no. <laughs> it seems weird that he needs to say that, but yeah, where the fuck did they get that? And after what, like 30 years? Well, apparently it's been a theory for a while and it's just kind of hitting the mainstream because Trump... Uh, right. Yeah, he was like, "No, it's about yuppies and commune, uh, not communism, uh, capitalism." <laughs> yeah, that makes much more sense. Yeah, that seems I, way more up Carpenter's alley. Seemed pretty obvious to me. Yeah. Uh Yeah, I mean, like the, just the one word instructions from the hidden messages. Like, yeah, obey, consume. Yeah, th- those are capitalistic ideals. Right. They don't say Mazel Tov. <laughs> right. Well, hi, I'm <laughs> Mitzvah. 
Verklempt. <laughs> now you're getting the Yiddish. <laughs> Same difference. <laughs> uh, yep. So. So, yeah, that's going on. <laughs> that's so, the world we live in now. I, this is just the things I don't understand. Like, why people would dredge up from, you know, like I said, like almost 30 years ago and decide that now's the time that they're going to start throwing. I forget. Speaking of wrestling, RIP Jimmy Snuka. Beat the charges and then he died. <laughs> yep. That's the thing is people are like, oh man, see 2017 is so much, it's going to be so much shittier. And I was like, yeah, but he was a murderer. <laughs> like, and like when Charles Manson got sick, people were like, oh, someone else is going to die. I'm like, he, he's Charles Manson. Yeah. No one's going to miss him. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> he yeah. should have died a long if time 2017 ago. 2017 wants to be the year that takes all the horrible, awful people off our hands. I'm okay with that. Crossing fingers for a certain someone. <laughs> <laughs> it's his wife. Huh? My wife. <laughs> My wife. <laughs> um. Yeah. On a lighter note, uh, Twin Peaks finally got a fucking release date. So fucking jacked. May 21st, this. man. I'm right before Tony's birthday. Great excite. Um, yeah, it's like I, this is, I was starting to think that it was never going to come out. I mean, they said to 2017 for a while now, but like they're holding on to that release date for so long. It's just like, well, when the fuck is it going to happen? I think I heard the, the premiere is going to be two hours. All right. And the... How many episodes are there? I forget. 13? Is it 13? Something like that. Okay, because I know... They had an original order of, what, eight? Eight, yeah, and then they doubled it. Right. And then they talked about splitting it into two seasons. I don't know if I would have preferred that or not. Well, now they're saying that that's not definitely not going to happen. There's the, This This is it. This is the end. Oh, really? Like they, they, Yeah, they said it's going to be a close-ended event. Oh. Well, all right. That's a little disappointing, I guess, but... Yeah. It's kind of like... I mean... You know, think, think about them reviving all these old shows. Like, uh, I think most notably, X-Files. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they did that one short mini-season. Or it's a... What they call it? A sp- they call it an event? Yeah. That seems to be the, the new thing. Right. Um, and that was, what, like six episodes or something like that? Yeah, I think so. Um, and... They uh, now they're talking about the possibility of doing another one, which is pretty sweet. It's like if they want to come back in the other year and just do like a short shot six episode season, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I would have liked to see where they were going to go with it in the next season had they continued. What's thing is like they're saying that this is it's going to be about uh, Agent Cooper coming back to Twin Peaks. So, my big question is, what's he been doing the past 25 years? Yeah, when he's been. Possessed, possessed by, by Bob. Bob, yeah. <laughs> uh, or did that go away as soon as he left Twin Peaks? Who knows? Um, but yeah, I mean, the, there's definitely the likelihood that you know, the, the very last scene of the last season, uh, yeah, he was staring at himself in the mirror and he's possessed by Bob. Mm-hmm. And you have to assume there that was going to be a thing in the, in the following season had they not been canceled. Yeah. But now... Yeah, 25 years later, it's like, how are they going to make those ends match up? I wonder. Who knows? 
But yeah, I guess if they have a clear ending in mind, now they'll be able to, yeah, wrap it up mm-hmm. and won't be so confusing. Yeah. Great cast, too. There's so many people. Like, like some of the people they added, like Michael Sarah, Jane Levy, uh, Dylan McDermott. No, not Dylan McDermott. <laughs> I wish it was Dylan McDermott. Uh, the guy that played Eugene on Walking Dead. Something McDermott. Joshua McDermott. Ah. Yep. Yeah. David Kackner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just excited about uh, David Lynch coming back as um, Cole. Yeah, Cole. And uh, is, is M- uh, Miguel Ferrer coming back? Who is that? Yeah, uh, he was the, the was it coroner or like a forensic guy. I don't know. He was a guy that really tossed a lot of shit to the sheriff. Like they didn't like each other, but then suddenly they were like buds. <laughs> I know Carl Stryken's coming back. Is he? Yeah. He looked like he was not all the way there when we saw him. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's supposed to be in it, but uh, Derek Mears is going to be in it too, which originally I thought maybe he was going to be taken over as the giant, but yeah. apparently Stryken is in it. So, All right. Good no Heather Graham, though, which kind of surprised me. Really? Yeah. That is a surprise. No Laura Flynn Boyle. Really? Yeah. Huh. Which sounds like it was not her choice. It might have something to do with the fact that she's looking a little rough these she days. She is looking a little rough. Uh, and that's her fault. She's done fucked herself up. Yeah. Like, just age gracefully. Yeah. Just just let it go. Like, uh, I mean, I can't say. Like, look at Sherilyn Fenn. Yeah. I, I, she still looks great. Yeah, we can't say for certain whether she's had work done or not, but she, she looks natural and she still looks, yeah, still looks good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cheryl Lee, too. Cheryl Lee, yeah. So, yep. Yeah. But Laura Flynn Boyle, she looks like a. She looks like she had a tailpipe or something. Let's <laughs> say so she looks like a cat. She's just like got her face all pulled to the side and these big ridiculous lips and as i transition to a cat i need to be referred to as a cat <laughs> man i watched that episode again recently yeah because season 11 just got put on netflix mm. and man uncle jack's fake hands it's get so me, good get me every time <laughs> that was like i can't remember if we actually talked about it on the show but when we went to the trip i think we vaguely mentioned it yeah like, right. in passing yeah, we went to Always Study Trivia, God, last summer? Is that what it was? I think so, yeah. And yeah, our team name was Uncle Jack's Fake Hands. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> Are you up on the new season so far? Uh, yes. Great start. They're doing, they're doing really well so far. Yeah. <laughs> that first episode, man, I was like, oh, God, this is going to be bad. <laughs> and of course, some people did take it as such oh sure yeah there's there's bound to be at least a few um but i liked how uh, glenn howerton said the only limit is when we don't laugh right <laughs> is that when, when nobody thinks it's funny that's when they've they've lost it yeah that's when you've gone too far yeah anyway well maybe that's enough bullshit probably people are like i didn't Turn this on to hear that bitch about Trump and talk about Always Sunny. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's do some horror business. All right. 
starting out with Real World Horror. Um, down, Dan Enda. How was that? Was that good? It was, it was all right. Yeah. I'm working on it. <laughs> um, in Sydney, uh, at 2.19 in the morning, a 24-year-old by the name of Evie Amati decided she was going to make a run to 7-Eleven with her axe. <laughs> and she just kind of casually wanders in uh, and goes to the counter and has a short conversation with uh, another customer by the name of Ben Rimmer. And he's maybe saying, you know, by, by what? There's no audio in the video. At least I don't think there is. The one I saw didn't. Mm-mm. Yeah. Um, but you can see them talking. And, you know, he's maybe saying, what you doing with that X? <laughs> and she's like, don't worry about it. <laughs> he's like, whatever. I'm just trying to buy this meat pie. Yeah. <laughs> and a, bo- a bottle of Vegemite. <laughs> um, and a Foster's. <laughs> Stereotypes. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, did you know that? Sorry, off subject a little bit, but uh, Miley Cyrus, she got a, tie t- a tattoo of Vegemite, or like a can of Vegemite, because she's dating Liam Hemsworth. Nope. Yeah. That's a strange thing to do. Yeah. It's like, oh, my boyfriend's Australian, so I'm going to get a tattoo of Vegemite. <laughs> okay. So dumb. Anyway, so I think anybody watching the video might be thinking, what, sh- what is she doing with that axe? Um, and then she proceeds to let us know by hitting poor Ben River in the face. In the face. In the face with an axe. I think I peeked there. You peeked so hard. I peeked all over the place. That's not that bad. Um... Yeah, hit him twice. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was weird because but I think she hit him once and then swung again, but missed the second time. Okay, I think. Like, um, it's, it's not great quality. I mean, it's a, yeah, it's secu- a surveillance secured video. Um, but like, I didn't see. He didn't seem like he was bleeding. At least not profusely. He was, from what I hear. Really? Yeah. I mean, obviously. But Eyewitnesses said there was, quote, blood everywhere. Christ. Um, and then, you know, she wasn't done yet because poor Sharon Hacker was in the store as well. Um, and she took a swing at her in the back of the head, uh, hit her twice. It looked like she hit her with the flat end. Yeah, because she, she fractured her skull, but like... Didn't seem like she was bleeding. Yeah. But she has like big, thick dreadlocks. Right. And she says that those saved her life. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I always thought dreadlocks were pretty gross, but... They're functional. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they serve a purpose after all. Uh, no one was killed. Uh, Rimmer and Hacker are both taken to the Royal Prince Alfred Hospital, where they were being treated. Uh, don't know what their condition is beyond that. Yeah, just know she has a fractured skull and he has a busted face. Right. Uh, Amadi was charged with intentionally causing grievous bodily harm. Go figure. Pretty sure in the States we call that attempted murder. Right. Uh, And remains in custody. Thank God. And apparently she asked for, like, testosterone. Because apparently she's transitioning to be a man or something. Oh. 
I didn't know that. Yeah, that was like the the thing. The one thing she asked for was her her medicine, her pills, whatever. Oh, after she was arrested. Yeah, got it. Okay, I thought you meant at Seven Eleven. I'm like, I don't think they carry that. <laughs> at least not here in the states. <laughs> not over the counter. Yeah. <laughs> um. So like, yeah, not like they keep them back there with the cigarettes, you know? Right. <laughs> um. But yeah, like. It 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 was it was like watching. Uh, a TV show, because the 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 surveillance is like right on the front door, like the the, the the sliding door, and you could see her walk in carrying the axe, just very nonchalantly. See, I think if I was at Seven Eleven, especially at two nineteen in the morning, and someone walked in with an axe, nope. Yeah, it's just like I don't know, need this meat pie that bad. Yeah, it's like I'm gonna get these later, and I'm gonna walk out. <laughs> um. Well, I mean, they, they, they say that nothing good happens after midnight, and I guess this is just one of those things. They do say that. So, um, word of the wise, guys. Word to the wise. Um, if you see somebody walking in 7-Eleven with an axe, just leave. Just, yeah. <laughs> There's no reason for them to have an axe there. Yeah. I mean, even if they're out chopping wood, it's like they don't need to carry the axe with them. Right. <laughs> the only thing I can think of is if they just bought it, and they, they're stopping at 7-Eleven on the way home from Home Depot or something. But uh, Home Depot's not open at 2.19 in the morning. Nope. Certainly not. She had an agenda. <laughs> yeah. So Don Mancini has been teasing a seventh child's play movie for months. Yeah. And uh, it's finally, finally filming. It's going to be called Cult of Chucky, written and directed by Mancini. And in it, Nika, played by Fiona Dorif from uh, Curse of Chucky, uh, is at an asylum for the criminally insane where she has been confined for the past four years and is erroneously convinced... that she, not Chucky, murdered her entire family. But when Nika's psychiatrist introduces a new therapeutic tool to facilitate his patient's group sessions, an all-too-familiar good guy doll... What are the odds? Seven. Seven odds, yes. A string of grisly deaths begin to plague the asylum, and Nika starts to wonder if maybe she isn't crazy after all. Andy Barkley, Chucky's now grown-up nemesis from the original Child's Play, races to Nika's aid. I'm sold. I know. So good. Uh, to save her, he'll have to get past Tiffany, played Ugh. by Jennifer Tilly, Chucky's long-ago bride, who will do anything, no matter how deadly or depraved, to help her beloved devil doll. You know, I know they incorporated Tiffany in um, uh, Curse of Chucky. Only at the very end, though. Uh, at the very end, yeah. Which clearly was, you know, uh, a lead-up to this. Right. Um, I, was, I was hoping so much they'd just leave that alone. Because, to me, Tiffany and um, Glenn... Or Glenda, depending on how you want to refer to whatever that thing is. <laughs> um, that to me, that those are just relics of a bad time for See, the child's play movies. All of Curse of Chucky seemed like it was retconning both of Bride and Seed mm-hmm. until Tiffany showed up at the very end. Yeah, definitely. And you know, then of course Andy at the very, very end. Right. Um. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm pumped that Andy's coming back. Uh, not so pumped that Tiffany's going to be back. No mention of Glenn or Glenda. Right. Um, so I wonder if they're just going to be undoing that part of it, because that was especially bad. It was. Bride of Chucky, that was... You could stomach that one, but Seed of Chucky was just so very It was bad. like a parody of itself. Yeah. And it's like, I'm pretty sure Mancini directed that one. I think so. I think he directed all of them. No, he didn't... Well, they didn't direct the original. He, he just wrote it. He didn't do uh, Bride of Chucky, I don't think. He wrote it, didn't he? I, I don't know. I don't think he directed it, though. Anyway, but I just... But they could also be saving that as like a a surprise. <sighs> yeah. I don't, I don't quite get the title. Me is neither. It, yeah. I, like, is it Cult of Chucky because it's all the characters coming back? I don't know. I mean, this, this is actually a more descriptive... Um, synopsis than I've seen before. Uh, the fact that the doctor is using a good guy doll for their group sessions. I wonder if the cult of Chucky is the group. Oh, could be. I mean, maybe that's a little bit of a stretch, but could be. Or maybe there's like a whole cult of good guy dolls that are all possessed somehow. <laughs> it's, it's like a like a Halloween four thing. <laughs> Um, and I hope that that's I guess that was more Halloween the, six, but yeah, I'm gonna hope that's not the case. But <laughs> <laughs> I've been surprised before. I think a a more apt but probably worse name would have been like Chucky's Asylum, Asylum of Chucky. That's, that's terrible. That's a terrible name. But, that's garbage. <laughs> but it would be more more apropos. <laughs> uh, like I said, this is filming now. Started filming on January 9th up in Manitoba. Manitoba, Canada, eh? Hey. <laughs> yeah. Oh Shut my up. God. No one's talking to you, Alexa. God. No. Stop it. Bitch. She's the worst. God, I hate her. She's always buttoning in on shit. I call mine a bitch, like on the regular. <laughs> Sometimes I'll just, like, I'll, I'll wake it up and then just start cussing at it. <laughs> and she's always like, I don't understand what you want. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, story of my life. <laughs> um, no release did attached to this yet, I assume. Not that I've heard. Gotta assume probably later this year, though. Probably, if not early next year. Yeah. Maybe they'll shoot for Halloween. That'd be sweet. That would be pretty sweet. I'm 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 ready. My body is ready. <laughs> I liked I liked Curse, so um Yeah, Curse was definitely going in the right direction, so I'm I'm hopeful for this one. Yeah. Don't look your backdrop on the nose for the shell tomorrow. Before this face this monster strings you on the tree. Beware of Slender So those of you that have not heard, um they're making a, a, a Slender Man movie. Slenderman. Slenderman. John Slenderman. Um, I thought you were going to say that the bird is the word. What? <laughs> you were like, those that haven't heard, oh. the bird is the word. <laughs> uh, but that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> um, no, they're, they're make, yeah, they're making a movie out of Slender Man. Um, it's... Uh, but being directed by Sylvian Waite or Sylvie 
Sylvan White. God damn. My speech is escaping me. Sibian. Sibian. Sibian machine. <laughs> uh, it's being written by David Burke, uh, who did 13 Sins and L. L is supposed to be really good, apparently. I don't really know anything about it. I've never even heard of it. So, good for him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's being developed by Screen Gems. Uh, it revolves... A division of Sony. <laughs> most companies are nowadays. Um, <laughs> revolves around a tall, thin, horrifying figure with unnaturally long arms and a featureless face. A.K.A. Was, the Slenderman. <laughs> the Slenderman. Uh, who is reputed to be responsible for the haunting and disappearance of countless children and teens. Uh, this is like the, what, 17th Slenderman movie, but the first one that's like a major studio behind it. Is it? I, I don't really... I don't follow the whole creepypasta thing. It doesn't really do anything for me. Did you watch uh, Channel Zero at all? Yeah. It was good. Um, I, didn't, I didn't watch the whole thing. Um, not intentionally. I just didn't make it through it yet. I enjoyed it. Um, I, I have to assume it picked up at the end. It was. It's kind of one of those shows where it's like it gets to the last episode and you're like, I have no idea how they're going to tie all this together. But then, in the, yeah, it kind of does. Yeah, it was really. I mean, I watched like the first uh, three episodes or so. There's only six, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know it's not not that long. I just haven't made it through the rest of them yet. But the ones I saw, it's like it seemed like it was really slow, and they're throwing a lot of stuff at you. Yeah. Um, and so it's like if it's it's almost like you have to watch it in a quiet room with no distractions yeah. so you can just collect all this information, <laughs> which rarely happens at my house. Sure. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll try it again eventually. I just haven't gotten around to it. Um, yeah, but this yeah, is... Slender Slenderman is the, you know, the most famous of the creepypasta. Right, right. And, yeah, I mean, if you're listening to the show, you're a horror fan, and you've seen Slenderman. You know what he looks like. Right. He's tall... Slender Man. <laughs> so it's not just a clever title. <laughs> With, uh, yeah, basically a sock for a head and um, like long super arms. long arms that like go down to his ankles almost. Yeah. It's like the guy from Meaning of Life. It's like, I wonder where that fish has gone. <laughs> yep. It's like that. <laughs> um, so this is the feature film. Uh those of you who remember might remember uh, a couple years ago now, uh, two 12-year-old girls in Wisconsin, they tricked their friend into following him in the woods and then stabbed her 19 times to, or like basically as a sacrifice to Slenderman. Uh, HBO is making a documentary ab about that and basically the whole Slenderman creepypasta thing. Uh, it's going to be called uh, Beware of the Slender Man. And it's actually premiering here on uh, January 23rd. This coming Monday. This coming Monday. Monday, just coming. It's coming. Just always All coming. over your face, neck, and chest. <laughs> um, and I guess the guy who created Slender Man, is, he's credited for this, but I don't know if it's just because he created it, so he gets like a honorary title or if he's actually involved in the making i don't know i mean like i i didn't even know they knew who actually created slender man some guy named victor surge okay so like i said i don't really follow cre the creepypasta things but 
But I mean, the point is that they're supposed to be mysterious. Yeah, so. they're not like. It seems like a lot of them, they 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 become like these urban legends where it's like it becomes very difficult to trace the origin mm-hmm. back to like who actually created it. Yeah, that's the idea. Um, and so I, I kind of thought that's where Slenderman was, but I assume even with enough research or you know with enough enticement of money, the, the <laughs> sure, yeah. Oh yeah, I created that. <laughs> Um, the feature is coming out on February second, two thousand eighteen, according to IMDb. We, that's not yeah, official. That's the only but, place I saw that. Um, but we'll see. We will see. So anyone who listens to this show regularly knows that Tony and I are huge fans of a movie called Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. You might even say huge. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> uh, we even did a drunken cinema to it. Yes, we did. Well, there's been a a sequel slash prequel, somehow, uh, in development hell for years now. Yeah. And, but it sounds like it might be moving forward. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> um, on their official Facebook page, which I believe is facebook.com slash B4TM, uh, they posted for the first time in months, and it said, time to dust this thing off. 2017 seems like a good year. That's really all we have to go off of right now? Yeah, this is... But... <sighs> So many people have really blown this out of proportion, I think. Yeah, but I mean, if you kind of you piggyback that off of what uh, Nathan Basil or Basil. I think it's Basil. Basil. It looks like Basil. Take what he said to Morbid Much back in September. He said, B4TM is closer now than it's ever been. That's before The Mask, by the way. I don't think I said the title. I don't think so. It's before The Mask, The Return of Leslie Vernon. Right. So like I said, prequel, sequel, return, before, during. That doesn't make any sense. It takes some pl- takes place somewhere in time. Somewhere before and after <laughs> now. Uh, but he said, B4TM is closer now than it's ever been. I hope to have more word on that soon, so keep hanging in there. It'll be worth it. And as far as the whole prequel-sequel thing, he says, it plays on conventions of prequels and sequels as you'd never... never... <sighs> I'm going to start again. It plays on conventions of prequels and sequels, as you'd expect, but the vehicle of the story is really clever, even more so than BTM. That's bold, because that one, like the original, was so, I mean, so clever on its own. It was so, I don't want to say revolutionary, that's not an accurate word, but... um, I mean, for those of you that haven't seen it, it's basically this Leslie Vernon guy wants to be the next Jason or Freddy or Michael Myers. Right. And it's it's like a mockumentary style of him aspiring to be this next great slasher. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it exists in a reality where yeah, like Jason and Freddy and Michael Myers, those are all actual people. Yeah, um, yeah. And it, it, if you've listened to our drunken cinema, or if you've seen the movie yourself, you know it's uh, it, it's it's really creative in that. Like Taylor said, it it covers like this mockumentary style where they're this college these college students are 
creating a documentary based around this guy that wants to be a serial killer. But then three quarters of the way through the movie, it shifts and it turns into just a straight feature style. Yeah. Like an actual cinematic. cinematic. Yeah. And I think that's what made it so different. Yeah. And 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 good. It's very good. And I know Tony hates this word, but it's it's very meta. How is it meta? Because it it like it exists in this. It's kind of real, but at the same time, it's fiction. Whatever, dude. <laughs> it is a word. Just because people misuse it doesn't mean that it's always misused. Whatever, dude. I don't want to hear it. Um, <laughs> Originally, um, Nathan Basil, who played Leslie, as well as Angela Gothels, who played Taylor, the documentarian, uh, the two cameramen, uh, Britton Spellings and Ben Pace, as well as uh, Scott Wilson, who you would know better as Herschel Green. He played uh, Leslie's mentor, Mm -hmm. Eugene, uh, and his wife, Jamie, played by Bridget Newton. They were all originally supposed to return, as well as Kane Hodder who made a very brief cameo in the first. Yeah. Um, they were all supposed to be in it. No word yet on if any of those people are still attached. Uh, but this is being written and directed by Scott Glosserman, who did the original. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it sounds like Nathan Basil's attached at the very least. Yeah, and I mean, he, he's he been pushing this on Twitter and Facebook, too. Right. He hasn't said anything official, but he's, you know, reposted things from websites talking about it yeah i mean if you look at his imdb he doesn't do a lot of acting work he does mostly things like 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 crew jobs yeah so maybe he's ready to get back in front of the camera (laughs) i'm kind of wondering how they can do a prequel though because he's lost a lot of hair he has lost a lot of hair and he's he's clearly older i mean yeah there's no hiding that because this was what 2000 uh four six six Oh, right. So, I mean, you know, you're looking at 11 years. Yeah. One does age one, in that time. One does in that time age. Quite. <laughs> but I would like to see it. Yeah, I hope he's not full of shit because, Nathan, I tell you, I've been hurt before. <laughs> but, I mean, he also did tell someone on Twitter that he doesn't know anything. Yeah. Which I don't know if he's playing coy or if he's being serious, but it's so hard to tell. He basically said, I just read the words on paper. Yeah. But it would seem weird for him to be perpetuating something that he knew was false. (laughs) Should be like, okay, but are you reading (laughs) words on paper currently? (laughs) Do they include the words before the mask? (laughs) Flip back to the first page. (laughs) What does it say? But I, I hope it happens. I love behind the mask so goddamn much leslie vernon is fucking awesome it's really good it's definitely in the top tier of slasher movies um despite having such a different style yeah so oh we'll see we will see
Okay, so I guess I shouldn't be surprised they're talking about making another Purge movie. Even though they're all awful. The first one was still the best one. Only because it was it was a, a different thing. Only because it was, because a, it was a horror movie and the other two are not. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, Frank Grillo might not be in it. Um, uh, he said, uh, after Anarchy, Universal called me and said, you've got a franchise. We're going to continue with this if you want to do this. I was like, yeah, this is great. And so when election year was even more successful, they were like, let's keep doing this. I was like, maybe. I think I might be done. But you should keep doing it. So, uh, no. But you go ahead. <laughs> it's like, you know, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. It's no, it's no good. Um, he said uh, if uh, James DeMonico, who was the writer and director of what the... All of them. All, okay. Uh, if he was still involved and they came up with a great idea, I think I would do it. Otherwise, I think I'm done. See, I'm not that upset about this. No. Because like I said, two and three were like this. I saw somebody say, like they described Grillo as um, the Punisher of the Purge. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. And that's, you know, if if they want the Purge to be these horror movies, then they need to quit having these action adventure scenes like the Punisher. Yeah. But, I mean, at the same time, it's like, as far as I'm aware, his career is not exactly soaring right now. That's true. And, you know, they killed his character off in Marvel, so he's not going to be making any more of those movies. <laughs> and, I mean, he said, you know, if, if Demonaco is still involved, or Demonaco? I think it's probably Demonaco, yeah. Okay, well, he said if he's still involved, he would do it. And I think we reported before that he did still want to do it, but he didn't want to direct it. He wanted to write it, but not direct. Oh, maybe. I don't know. But he also said it would be a prequel. In which case, you wouldn't really need Frank Grillo's character. No. Yeah. I wouldn't really need to make the movie, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I mean, that's like, do we do we need a prequel to the first Purge? Like, no. We don't need... It's The first movie was creative because you were presented with this... This... Uh, almost dystopian future or I mean not not so distant future where yeah you live in the society that has decided okay the best way we can fight crime and overpopulation is to allow people to kill each other for 24 hours you don't need a backstory you don't need to know what caused that you look outside you know what caused that yeah Donald Trump <laughs> right <laughs> um so it's like, yeah, the the, the necessity for a prequel is it seems like it would be really not boring. there. I mean, yeah, like I don't give a shit why they decided to start yeah. a purge. It's 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 more twisted and more um, thought provoking to not know why. Yeah, it's it's, it's basically like it's like yeah. what we say about you know like the slasher movies and stuff. It's like the the backstory doesn't matter. We don't need to know why these people are like this. Some people are just fucked up. Yeah. Um, and like, as far as like who was behind it, I think I didn't see it, but I think that was, it looked like that was pretty well explained in uh, election year. Um, 
they just got these. The, what do they call them? The new founding fathers? Maybe. Sure. I don't know. I think that's what it was. Um, yeah. They're, I mean, they're clearly the ones that um, are the the ones that are perpetuating the the purge, I guess. Yeah. So it's like, what what else is there? What what more do you need to know? Really? Like, um, see, like the first one, it was interesting because it made it it made it so like anyone could be a serial killer, right? Not necessarily a serial killer, I guess, because it's only for twenty four hours. But like anyone could be this slasher villain, essentially. And uh, yeah, so it's like I. We don't need to know why, because people are fucked up. That's why. Yeah. Because <laughs> you figure, you know, if they're going to kill you, everybody's going to kill each other anyways. Might as well make it legal at one point and get it all done within a night. Right. Yeah. It's it's like allowing people to vent or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I'm not on board for prequel. Um, I'm not super disappointed if Grillo doesn't come back. I just I just think they need to go back to a horror with it. I think you need to stop or or stop. That is also an option. Because these movies are shit. Like, all of them. Even the first one was bad. I thought the first one was okay. Ah, uh, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, we'll see. We will see. Have you noticed we've ended every story with we'll see? <laughs> <laughs> all of them? Yeah. <laughs> well, not real world horror. Jeepers, creepers, where'd you get those peepers? Jeepers, creepers. Where'd you get those eyes? Gosh, y'all get up. How'd they get so lit up? Gosh, y'all get up. How'd they get that size? Oh, so speaking of things they probably shouldn't do. Is this mine? No, this is yours. All right, good. Go ahead. Do, do, do it. Do your thing. Go ahead. So speaking of things they probably shouldn't do, uh, Jeepers Creepers 3 is apparently currently in pre-production after years and years of not doing anything. Uh, according to Brad Miska of bloodydisgusting.com, who exclusively confirmed the news. Of course he did. <laughs> it is currently filming, or is supposed to begin filming early, early this year in Louisiana uh, because they were run out of Vancouver, BC, where it was originally supposed to film. Because they don't like rapists. Because the director, child because the director is a child molester. Uh, there was a casting notice posted for an 18-year-old actress to play a 13-year-old girl. Ooh, okay. <laughs> who was sent to live with her grandmother after her stepfather, quote, started making overtures to her. Wow. <laughs> uh, the casting call was pulled by the Union of BC Performers, who then warned its members... That this guy is a child molester and you should probably stay away from him. Was Salva playing the stepfather? Probably. <laughs> well, and he actually the... wanted a 13-year-old girl to play an 18-year-old. <laughs> um, so yeah, Victor Salva is still in the director's chair, even though he is a convicted child molester. A lot of a lot of people like are saying, you know, why don't you let somebody else do this? And he's like, no, is, I'm going to do this myself. Well... Whoever the studio is behind this should pull their funding. They should yeah. not be allowing this. <laughs> they really shouldn't. Um, I mean, like, I think I, I wouldn't mind seeing Jeepers Creepers 3. The first two. I mean, the, the first one was really good. The second one was okay. And yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing a third one, but not not for the... Not, 
not to ignore or not god damn it i can't i can't think of what i want to say go ahead <laughs> um, apparently jeepers creepers 3 will show events on the last day of the creepers 23 day feeding frenzy as the skeptical sergeant tubbs they called me Mr. Tubbs. Uh, teams up with a task force hell-bent on destroying the Creeper for good. The Creeper fights back in gory glory as its enemies grow closer than ever before learning the secret of its dark origins. Uh, according to Bloody Disgusting, the Creeper's van, featuring the beating you license plate, will play a major role. Whatever that means. How does a... Is it a van? I thought it was a truck. Yeah, whatever it was course how ironic is it that a child convicted child molester (laughs) wants his villain named the creeper to drive a van (laughs) this is not very apt yeah nondescript panel van that says beating you (laughs) more like beating off to you but that wouldn't fit on the license plate beating you off (laughs) because it was a small boy that he molested right yeah, I forgot that. Uh, originally, Gina Phillips was supposed to re- revise her role of Trish. Jonathan Breck would return as the Creeper, and Brandon Smith would play Sergeant Tubbs. No word on if that casting is still in place or if they've decided not to join a movie being directed by a convicted child molester. Did we mention that Victor Salva is a convicted child molester? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of people on Twitter recently have kind of gone off on critics for telling people which movies not to watch and saying, you know, you're, you're, who are you to judge what people should watch? And, you know, we, when we review movies, we say, you know, I wouldn't recommend you watch this. We, we never tell people flat out, like, don't watch this movie. I do sometimes. Well, I mean, if it's really bad, we'll be like, you shouldn't watch this movie. Yeah. But, you know, you don't have to fucking listen to us. No. This one, I'm telling you right now, don't see this movie. And it has nothing to do with the movie itself. It's the fact that you, we shouldn't be... It's the fact that Victor Silva <laughs> is a convicted child molester. That's what it is. <laughs> we should not be perpetuating and making this an okay thing. Yeah. He... I, he it's served... Just, it's just like... It's just like uh, uh, electing a sexual deviant to President of the United States. I mean... It's, it's not something you should do. No. He served 15 months of his three-year sentence. Fuck. Where was he, where was he convicted? Do you know? I don't know. Hmm. Like what state? Yeah, I mean, is, is he Canadian? I don't think so. No, he's American. Okay. I mean, it's not especially <laughs> important, I guess, but... Wikipedia does not say. He was convicted in 1988. Really? It was that long ago? Yeah. I didn't know that. Me neither. But he also videotaped it. Oh, good. Commercial videotapes That's... and magazines containing child pornography were also found at his home. That's, it's brilliant when people film themselves doing things illegal, like illegal things. You know, just creating evidence against themselves. Yeah, right? Oh, now I'm disappointed I saw the first two. Yeah. Um, I don't know why this is just in the last few years become such big news. If it seemed like it seems like it would be something that would be out there. Yeah. And Especially yeah. since his career seemingly like took off well after that. Right. It's like like um like Roman Polanski. I won't watch his movies. Yeah. I won't support him. Because he did the same fucking thing. Exactly. 
Um, and then he, then he fled to another country so he couldn't be tried for it. Yeah. So fuck him. And fuck Victor Salvo. Yep. Because he's a convicted child molester. <laughs> All right, that's it for horror business. That's going to do it. Yeah, it seems like we went through that fast. That did feel fast. I thought we had more, but that was apparently it. And that was five stories. That was a full a full slate. Yeah. Maybe we just didn't do as much bullshitting as usual. That's possible. Um, yeah, so from here, we just move on to our reviews. So while we were changing over, you made a very good point that <laughs> we neglected to thank our Patreon patrons. I mean, we never said that it was going to take place at the beginning of every episode. Yeah. I mean, we've got you on semantics, guys. <laughs> but thank you very much to our supporters, uh, Kevin Nesgoda, Max Zaleski, Skeptical Crypto, and The Horror Addicts. Thank you very much, guys. And I, I it feels weird doing this in the middle of the episode, but... Taylor, if somebody would like to become one of our patrons, where can they find that? At patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast. And for as little as a dollar, you can get access to our exclusive patrons-only feed, which will soon feature patrons-exclusive reviews. Right. <laughs> Sue. I knew all about that. It was your idea. It was? Yeah. Shit. And you also get free stickers, right, Tony? Yes, I'm working on that currently well not right the second but man i try <laughs> i tried to make four stickers at once uh and that didn't go well <laughs> because i have to <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm cutting them out on a, on a cutting machine and you know you just you, you cut it out on a, on, a, on a sheet of adhesive vinyl and then you have to actually go through and you manually pick out all the extra vinyl like all in like all the negative space and when you're dealing with tiny little letters that becomes very difficult and time consuming <laughs> but i did it successfully uh, i had a few mishaps but i managed to fix them and then when i went to go put the transfer tape on top of it so you could actually pull the decal off the backing paper and then place it on your surface and then you peel. I mean, anybody who uses a decal, they know how to, how a decal works. But I put the transfer paper on top of this sheet of four stickers, which in hindsight was a bad idea because when I laid it down, the transfer tape got wrinkled and I can't straighten that out without pulling the sticker. So how many did you ruin? Three. <laughs> uh, I've attempted to make four. I am net one sticker. <laughs> or no, sorry. I've tried to make eight. And I've I've netted one sticker. Really? Yes. So you've ruined seven. Yes. Maybe we should just order stickers. No, I it's 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 a it's a learning curve. I I'll I'll get it. I just need to do it right. Maybe we should send them buttons instead. <laughs> I can do the fucking stickers, <laughs> goddammit. But I'm making one of our alternate logo, and that's just proving to be difficult because the letters are so small. Yeah. And, uh, those those ones are going to go exclusively to our Patreon patrons. Um, the ones we'll be sending to our uh, Krampus contest and en entries, um, they'll 
be getting actually our patrons patrons will be getting i think probably one of each sticker um our alternate logo and our just regular nameplate logo um and those ones are a little easier to make i have one on my car and it didn't seem like it took anywhere near as long <laughs> but, um yeah our our Krampus contest entries will be getting just the regular name branding uh sticker uh and our patrons will get both so but i just need to my <laughs> my wife came home she you know she does an etsy business mostly with her like vinyl stickers and stuff and i told her what i'd done she's like you wait you tried to put it on all four of them at the same time <laughs> I, yeah it's like you can't do that that's you're gonna screw it up you're like i know that now yeah thanks captain obvious <laughs> fuck um anyway so yeah i'm gonna try it again and then i'm gonna try to put the transfer tape on one at a time there you go and then we'll be good no more shortcuts yes <laughs> well it's like i thought you know okay i made four at once i made just rather than Making one at a time, I just made four on one big sheet, and that went fine. But then, the last step, <laughs> and it's pissed me off so bad because I was putting so much effort into um, getting. It's called weeding, pulling out all the extra vinyl. You're like you basically take this like little pointed hook thing, and you just like kind of peel it off and. But so like anybody that when you get the stickers, if you see like like indents in the backing paper or like like it's been scraped with a hook, I mean that's exactly what's happened. Um the sticker will still work and it's just gouges in the paper. It'll be fine. <laughs> anyway. And you better fucking appreciate it what Tony's doing for you. Yeah, it's free. Fuck off. <laughs> you want know, somebody professional? Give us money. Yeah, really. Wait, they are giving us money. <laughs> Give us more money. <laughs> Anyway, and as soon as I get that done, I'll start working on our patrons only t-shirt. I got to do that and I got to come up with a design for CF month in May. I got a lot of work ahead of me. <laughs> and since our distributor sucks, I got to get that shirt ready early so people have a chance of getting them in time for May. Yeah. So anyway. Anyway. So reviews. Yes. <laughs> That's what we're here for. That's what everybody wants to hear probably. Um, what do you want to start two, with? Two two bloody movies. So bloody, actually, probably not. All that. Eh. No, neither, really neither one not, is not all bloody. No, but they both have blood in the title. Yes, we tried to make this like our first, you know, uh, theme episode, but it was a bit of a stretch. Yeah, I basically just I flipped two movies to so that this one would have two titles with blood in it, but it's not really a theme. <laughs> Anyway, um, so which one do you start with? Uh, let's start with Blood Brothers. It's Detective. Detective Homer Dahl. Not sure if you boys have heard the bad news, but one of the waitresses that worked here was found murdered late last night. It shouldn't just be any kind of girl, though. She should be special. Is there anything in there? About what? About last night. Ready? We're ready. We've tested ourselves and we've tested others. I say we just push forward. Do you like what you see? You're not being a bad boy, are you? 
fine tragedies of life. God's love and death. Honey, this is the man that I was telling you about. Gosh, you can. No regret. Not for us. Not anymore. I am so glad you're going to explain this one, and not me. <laughs> Why? You didn't get it? Not really. Well, it's not that I didn't get it. It's just like, why? Why? <laughs> All right. Go ahead. Well, uh, this movie is about Thomas and Charles Blood. What? <laughs> See if you're paying attention. <laughs> Their last name? Because they're the Blood Brothers. Uh, you get it? it? <laughs> um, no, they're actually they're half brothers with different dads, but they're both uh, they both came from Barbara Crampton's cunt. <laughs> <laughs> As she so eloquently said. <laughs> oh, that was what a line. Yeah. You may have come out of my cunt, but you came out wrong. <laughs> my wife, my wife was sitting there doing doing something next to me while I was watching that, and she's like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, yep. <laughs> Thank you, Barbara. <laughs> That's why you're an icon in this business, but not a scream queen. Right? Don't call her a scream queen. Don't call it a comeback. Hello, Cool J. <laughs> But so they uh, they get this bright idea that they need to kill somebody. Because <laughs> who doesn't feel that way sometimes? <laughs> well, I mean, apparently the story goes that they saw a dead cat when they were children. And where the dead cat was found in the grass, uh, daisies started growing. And they took it to be this divine thing of God's beauty coming from something awful. Nonsense. Utter nonsense. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> They're a little crazy, a little bit, a little bit. And so now they feel this divine need to murder someone and somehow it's God's will or something or, or something. Yes, <laughs> that's that's an apt description. It just <laughs> makes me think of the George Carlin bit about God's will. But how some people just like everything is God's will. It's like, honey, I ran over the, I ran over our son in the driveway. Ah, God's will. <laughs> but so yeah, they feel this like divine need to kill, but they've never done it before, so they don't really know what they're doing. Unfortunately, hilarity does not ensue. No, it'd be great if it was just this bumbling, fumbling attempt to murder someone. <laughs> just fucking like Laurel and Hardy murder. <laughs> No, you lay down the tart before you cut her open. Womp, But no, they're very, they're very dapper gentlemen. Yeah. One of them looks like a young Rafe Fiennes. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Thomas, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. The movie opens with them talking to that guy from the progressive commercials that looks like Kevin Bacon. <laughs> The guy from the Got Milk commercial. Lion McPoyle. <laughs> right. 
he's apparently a drug addict named Druggy Dougie. But he doesn't like being called that. But yeah, don't call him that. <laughs> he's Doug or Douglas. Right. Or D-Man, as his shirt says. Right. <laughs> and they tell him, uh, if you cut off the tip of your pinky with this knife, we'll give you this little bag of drugs. <laughs> if you cut off the tip of your pinky with this rock, we'll give you a kilo. This blunt rock. <laughs> yeah. It's not like it's a it's not like it's a rock with a sharp edge on it or something. No. <laughs> and what does he do? He goes for the fucking rock. <laughs> Cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> it must be. <laughs> I feel like I'm missing out if it's worth that. Fuck. <laughs> But so that's that's where their head is at. So they're doing these fucked up things. And like I said, they feel this need to kill. So they uh, go out and get a hooker. Because who doesn't? That's what you do. Two men about town. But uh, got to get a hooker. Yeah. To kill. Yeah. But it all goes wrong when she tries to give Thomas a blowjob. <laughs> Because, you know, why would a hooker do something like that? Right. Who could have possibly seen that coming? But they decided that she's not worthy of being their first kill because she's not pure. Mm. Which apparently they didn't figure out when she was a hooker. Right. <laughs> like, what? Where's the line of thinking here? Like, let's... We should, we should get a hooker. That's an exact line. We should get a hooker. Yeah. But then, she's not pure. Yeah. Like, how did you not come to that conclusion sooner? Yeah. See, this is when it starts to get confused. Well, this informs the confusing part later. Because Thomas is this really, like, assertive go-getter. He's kind of like, a, you know, a real type A personality. He's the um, alpha. The alpha, the two, yeah. yeah. Um, but he, he only has half of one finger and a thumb on one hand. Yeah. And it's it, never explained. Yeah, it's it's implied when, when they're telling um when they're telling Druggy Dougie to cut off his finger, he's saying it's gonna hurt like hell. He's like, Oh, you know, and he starts rubbing the nub of his forefinger. He's like, it just kind of tickles. So it kind of implies that he like cut off his own fingers. But I don't know, like, it looked almost like it was like a birth defect or something. Could be. Yeah, it's never explained in any way. Yeah, because he has, yeah, like you said, up to, up to, like, just below his top knuckle. On his index on finger. On his index finger. He has a full thumb. And then, like, down to his 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 knuckle, like his, his hand. Yeah. The rest of his fingers There's are nothing. Gone. So it's, it's kind of hard to tell. I don't know if it's like a, some sort of... Electrodactyly or something. It's curious that like they don't even like they clearly make a point of pointing it out. Yeah, but then they never really explain what happened. And it's weird when he holds up his hand and you see that all his fingers are missing. It almost looks like CGI. Like it almost looks like you can see that his fingers were digitally taken out, but it's consistent. Like he he never he, he never slips up or anything. Yeah, I mean that he he never has fingers in the movie, so. Weird. It is weird. Yeah. Um, they do finally find someone that they they determine is worthy. And 
just so happens to be played by the same actress <laughs> yeah. as the hooker. I was going to point that out if you, if you didn't know, but yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, so they kill her and then they kind of switch places. Yeah. Suddenly Charles becomes the alpha. He's the one in charge. And Thomas just collapses. He just falls apart. He's like, what the fuck have we done? Yeah. This isn't supposed to feel like this. Which in a way makes sense. I mean, he definitely seemed like he was the more um, competent and, you know, he, he was definitely more there than Charles. Mm-hmm. Charles definitely had something. I mean, they're both psychopathic in their own ways, but Thomas had more of a um, realistic view on life and Charles was definitely more delusional yeah charles kept talking about like saying people or things would glow Mm -hmm. and that like was a calling to him you also keep seeing this naked chick covered in blood what was that i don't know i kept waiting for them to explain it like 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 at the end i thought that maybe we were gonna like be a flashback or something this was a girl that they killed at some point but no yeah, it never happens. I don't know if it's supposed to be like his guardian angel or his conscience. Yeah, or... I don't. But yeah, it's it's definitely not clearly explained who or what that's supposed to be. And it's like I couldn't tell if this was the. the I mean, the girl they kill is, like I said, it's the the same actress as the hooker, mm-hmm. but she she's a, a completely different person. Um, and I don't <laughs> I don't know if that was intentional, or if they just couldn't get an extra actress. <laughs> But, um, yeah, this girl, she's a waitress at this cafe they go to, and uh, Charles asks her out on a date, and then Thomas interferes and convinces. At first, you think that it's going to be like they're going to start fighting over her. Right. Because it seems like Thomas is interested in her at first. Yeah, or like what I thought it was leading to is that like Charles was like, or Thomas was going to be attempting to kill her and Charles is maybe going to be trying to save her. Yeah. But that's yeah, that not the too. case. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. And her, her name is Jean Vieve. That's no, no, your name is Genevieve bitch. Yeah. <laughs> she even says, she's like, I pronounce it Jean Vieve cause it sounds fancier. Mm-hmm. It's like, so your parents didn't call you that. Yeah. So that's not your name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they, they, but yeah, then um, Thomas convinces <clears throat> Charles to that they need to kill her, and then when she attacks Thomas, Charles just flips and crushes her face with a rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he just just develops this bloodlust. Yeah, it's, then, yeah. Like they they completely flip, like their their personalities change like uh, they suddenly thomas becomes like this very small introverted person and charles becomes this very charismatic crazy guy and you can't even really say that they switched places because like charles was always kind of subservient subservient to thomas right yeah whereas thomas is just he wants nothing to do with any of it Mm -hmm. and he just wants to kind of forget it happened but he can't because he's got this guilt weighing on his mind right meanwhile the psychic detective (laughs) played by ken forey yeah why is he psychic 
reasons. How did that fit in with the rest of the movie at all? Yeah, it it was like you find out he's this detective and you're kind of like, okay, now this, you know, this detective's going to be after them. And then you find out he's psychic and you're just like, uh, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. All of a it, sudden we're going into the realm of supernatural now. Exactly. And it's like uh, when er, Ken Foray, he, he, he approaches Thomas and Charles in this cafe when, you know, as he's investigating Genevieve's murder. Jean Vier. No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> you shut your whore mouth. <laughs> um, and just through, like, he asked the owner of the diner or the cafe or whatever it is um, about the regulars. And so he goes and talks to Charles and Thomas. Um, and then Thomas starts to become suspicious that he's on to them. He starts researching the character or um, is it, uh, Homer something. A Homer uh, Gall? No. Gall, yeah. yeah is yeah. it Gall? Yeah. Okay. Um, and like and he's, new art- he insists everybody calls him Homer because they're all pals. Right. <laughs> um, all these news articles he's looking at online says, oh, is uh, Homer Gall, is he really a psychic detective? And it's just like, okay, so they're implying that he's just very good at his job. No, he's actually psychic. Yeah, he talks to dead bodies. What? And like the, the uh, Genevieve's daughter, um, he holds hands with her, and suddenly she re- he reads all of her memories. Yeah, when they're when they're in the cafe, he goes to shake their hand, and Charles is like, "No, don't shake his hand." Right. And he tells him, "He's oh, we're sick, and we don't want to we don't want to get you sick with during your investigation." Mm. And apparently, his cup was glowing, and that was how Charles knew that something was going on. And so he didn't want to shake his hand because he knew that that would give him the psychic powers to read their mind. Yeah, shit goes a little off the rails here. Yeah, it. Uh, like I said, it kind of, it kind of tiptoes the line of supernatural, mm-hmm. where it doesn't go fully supernatural, but at the same time, it's not fully in reality. Although this is apparently based on a true story. Yeah, I don't know what true story. I don't either. I assume loosely based. Yeah, I mean. The only thing I can think of that was even similar was like the Menendez brothers, but, but they killed their parents. They killed their parents, yeah. So I don't know. Whereas in this one, both of their fathers are dead, right? And but they live with their mom, yeah, who's a little bit crazy herself, and she's very sick. I think she has cancer. Does she? I don't know. Well, she's clearly wearing a wig. She, yeah, and that's that. I didn't understand that. And there's another wig on the nightstand. Oh, was there? I didn't catch that. Yeah. So that led me to believe it was cancer. Could be. But she, I mean, see, I she never gets out of bed. And she just drinks red wine all day. Yeah, she just, I figured. That's she, her medicine. Yeah. <laughs> I figured she was just an alcoholic or something. It could be. She just likes wigs. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> you think they'd, you know, you know, you can infer things, but that kind of thing, you maybe want to drop a hint or something. Yeah. they All they ever say is that she's sick. Yeah. But it's like, I would call an alcoholic sick too. <laughs> And I would, I wouldn't just say someone with cancer is sick. Yeah, I'd probably say they have cancer. Right, <laughs> the big C. Yeah, it's a little, little bigger deal than like the flu. Right. Uh, yeah. But like I said, they're all they're very well put together. They dress very nicely in like vests and ties all the time. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, uh, they pretty pretty much wear like the same thing. Yeah. Like they're like matching suits. Yeah. Um and they're you know, they're eloquent. 
they're not like, you know, psychopaths. I mean, well, they are psychopaths, but they're not babbling maniacs. Right. I mean, they're clearly very well educated and intelligent. Yeah. And Thomas actually studies serial killers. Right. He's, he's a big fan of the obscure ones. <laughs> right. <laughs> so they're, they're both kind of like Patrick Bateman meets Norman Bates. In a way, yeah. Um, like Charles more so, he's very, um, very not into his mother. But <laughs> he's very, you know, involved with his mother. He, he's always there giving her, her, her quote medicine, pouring yeah. her a glass of wine. And he, you know, is very attentive to her and he's doting. Yeah. He's, he's a big mama's boy. Mm-hmm. And Thomas, not as much, but it kind of seems like he, he wants to be, but the mom doesn't really reciprocate with him as much as she does with Charles. Right. Um, so what'd you think? I didn't Other like than a little being a little confused. I didn't like it. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Not, yeah. And not, you know, not amazing. At one point, my girlfriend actually walked in and she was like, so is this good? And I was like, eh, it's, it's all right. That's, yeah. that's pretty much, you know, to the end. That was my response. It's, it's all right. Yeah. I, uh, Started watching it and I turned it off. I'm like, I can't do this right now. <laughs> and I went back to it. I'm like, man, I really want to turn this off. <laughs> and like, I just went to see how much was left, and there was still like half the movie. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> you thought it was that bad? Well, I was, I was bored to tears, man. This was so boring. Like, I was not engaged at all, like, this entire movie. Really? Yeah. Like, it was. It was, it was pointless. I mean, I, I felt like this movie didn't need to be made. Hmm. Um, I thought it felt very American Psycho for like the first half or so. It struck me as a bad Tarantino movie. Uh, I wouldn't say that. That's how that's that's how it appeared to me. Um, I mean, I I can't I can't say for certain, but it did seem like there was some Tarantino influence like visually. Yeah, I could see that. Um but for me, I mean, there's just the this, this, story just didn't serve a purpose to me, I guess. Um and a lot of overacting. Not necessarily bad acting, just people were like being too big. Yeah, it didn't feel real. Yeah. Like it it felt like people acting and it's like Barbara Crampton, who I know is a good actress. It seemed like she was acting down for this one. And, you know, it was weird that to me, Ken Foray, he always seems like he's overacting. He seemed he seemed perfect for this one. <laughs> so it was really I mean, that that to me seemed like people everybody else was doing too much. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. It, like, like I said, it, it felt like people acting like the the whole it all felt very unnatural yeah it felt like a movie not like you're a fly on the wall right um there was very a lot of it was very surreal um but like i'm trying to think of like something to compare it to Um, I'm spacing. I mean, uh, 
It's got a, it has a style to it that is is familiar in a way, but I can't think of anything else to compare it to. Yeah. Cool story. Yeah. <laughs> all in all, though, it's just like um, I don't know. I mean, it just it it uh, it was it was there. It was just too much. Like it was just too much of everything. Too much like emphasis on visuals, um, too 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 much acting, um, too much dialogue, which is I mean you know, I prefer a movie with dialogue like I usually preferred a movie with too much dialogue rather than not enough dialogue. Yeah, but this one had just too much dialogue, <laughs> too many dream sequences too. That too, and that that's what really started breaking down the flow of the movie. It's just too many interruptions with these dream sequences. Yeah. Because like it starts, you know, we, we talked about how it kind of tiptoes this line of supernatural. But then the, these things start happening where it's like, okay, you've gone over the line of supernatural now, and I don't understand why. Yeah. But then it's like, oh, it was a dream. Right. So then every time something over the top happens, you're like, whatever, it's just another dream. Who cares? Hmm. Uh, um. Which I guess was supposed to be like like to symbolize Thomas's descent into madness, maybe. Was Thomas really the one going mad, though? Well, they both were in, a, in, in different directions. I guess. Um, yeah, and that that naked chick, I just that 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 still confounds me. I like I can't even think of what the symbolism was. <laughs> but like I said, the only thing I can come up with is that it was his conscience or his guardian angel or something along those lines but again that's me piecing things together and not actually knowing for sure yeah it seemed like she was like she would pop up every time he wanted to kill someone yeah i think it was a good conscience no yeah she was definitely like instructing him shoulder yeah instructing him to kill people but and getting off on it yeah and she just slowly became more and more covered in blood. Yeah. For some reason. And then she grew butterfly wings that looked like they were made of skin. Or was she an angel? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it was. So that was made, what made me think Guardian Angel was that scene. There's definitely a lot of butterfly symbolism yes. in this for whatever reason. It didn't serve a lot of purpose to me, at least. It's probably a metaphor for something. For Yeah, but for what? For Charles blossoming into his serial killer butterfly oh <laughs> that's a bit of a stretch that's all i got <laughs> but i mean like genevieve she had a butterfly tattoo mm-hmm. um at one point um, thomas like he's dreaming that he opens up his chest and butterflies start flying out like just hundreds of butterflies yeah and then, yeah, this dream girl or whatever she is sprouts these butterfly wings. That, like I said, they look like they're made of skin. Yeah, they did. Uh, I don't know if that was intentional. <laughs> I think it was. That was because I got the same impression, so I don't know why. Okay. Well. Yeah. What did you, you think of the... I mean, there's, there's not a lot of gore per se, but yeah. the, the effects that were in it, what did you think? Like when they smashed her face in with a rock? Uh, it was okay, I guess. 
Um, I mean, about on par what I'd expect for a movie made in this budgetary range. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's going to win any awards for, for makeup effects, but and the CGI was pretty low tier. But again, yeah. I mean, it's like that's that's pretty much all you expect from a movie from a low budget movie, I guess. I will say the part when he smashed her face into the mirror, I had a genuine like, oh, <laughs> that was pretty legit. Yeah. All right. So number then uh, three. I'll, I'll give it a five. OK, like I said it was all right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I want to be less judgmental about this, but it's just like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> so. All right. Well, there we go. You're entitled to your opinion. Yes, I am. I know. My opinion. Mine. <laughs> you give it to me. All right. Second movie up is the fourth film of the Underworld franchise. Is that all? Is that all? Yeah. Yeah. Feels like there's been like half a dozen of those. Nope. Um, it's Underworld Blood Wars. The vampire and lichen clans have been at war for centuries, turning our world into a battlefield. Are you with me? For me, the fight is personal. Everyone I've ever loved has been hunted down. Now a new war is being waged. This day was bound to come. The Lycans are moving again. They have a new leader, Marius. We must not rest until we have destroyed their final sanctuary. You need Selene. She cannot be trusted. Tell your Marius, I'm not finished with this war. Selene's blood is the key. You will be invincible. As the lichens grow stronger, I fear more blood will be spilled than ever before. We fight for our coven! Impossible. So I was thinking about what I was going to say about this, and I realized that trying to talk about the fourth movie in a franchise becomes difficult because you got three prior movies that you need to incorporate into your <laughs> into your description. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I guess one movie you could probably eliminate because it's more of a prequel. Um, but I just want to put this right out on Jump Street. I'm not a fan of this franchise. Really? Yeah. By all indications, I should be. Like Kate Beckinsale in a cat suit. Awesome. Sure. 
vampires versus werewolves cool i don't know just if it feels like the vampires versus werewolves like other than them changing into werewolves it's not really a main focal point i mean it is because that's why they're fighting because racism or whatever (laughs) (laughs) but i don't know it just feels very game of thrones it's not very horror yeah i mean like the horror aspect of it is basically like putting parmesan cheese on top of a pasta dish it's it's not like the main feature it just kind of adds to it yeah um so yeah i mean like I, i love these movies um i did not see part three Oh, really? Yeah. Well, um, but this movie does have a nice recap at the beginning. This is... Oh, you know what? This is the fifth movie. Sorry. Okay. I thought there was more than... Um, okay. I didn't see three or four then. Okay. Well, <laughs> um, I only saw the th- the fourth one once. Uh, so, I mean, it, uh, it goes one, two, then there's a prequel, and then... The fourth movie is the third movie in the in that follows the first two movies. So it goes three, one, two, four. Chronologically. Yes. Okay. Um so like I said, there's a nice recap at the beginning that kind of right, ties and, everything up in a nice bow. So I mean, those of you that have seen the Underworld series, they, they you understand the, the the plot, but just a quick recap for anybody that hasn't. Um, essentially for thousands of years, uh, vampires and lichens or werewolves have been at war with each other. Um, the purpose or the, 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 the cause of the war is explained pretty well in the third movie, um, which is underworld rise of the lichens. Pretty sure that's what it's called. Um, but these these two factions, you know, the vampires and the werewolves. Uh, the vampires are led by a council, um, and one lead one of three leading elders awake at any given time. They want like two elders sleep for a um, hundred years, and they do like one hundred year terms of leading all the covens of vampires. <laughs> um. Uh, the the story is about Celine. She is what they call a death dealer, which is basically like a, uh, um, a foot soldier for the vampire f- faction. Uh, they will go out. They will seek out werewolves and kill them. Um, basically, now Celine finds this guy named Michael. This is becoming a much longer explanation. Than I wanted it to be. <laughs> She finds a guy named Michael who is the descendant of a strain of immortals or a a family line of immortals that actually there were three. No, sorry. There was um, an immortal father, then two sons. Uh, One was bitten by a bat. One was bitten by a wolf. And those created the first vampires and werewolves. Um. Michael is this is the third no sorry there were three brothers Michael is the descendant of a third brother who 
walked the life of uh, of a mortal for the rest of you know for the rest of his family line, and so his blood is, is that why he could stand in the sun, Michael. Oh wait, that's David. David. <laughs> so in the second movie. At the end of the first movie, Celine kills one of the elder vampires who was actually like her sire um, and also the leader of the werewolves was killed. And so now both her and Michael are being hunted by both vampires and werewolves. Uh, in the second movie, one of the elder vampires, and he's actually the descendant or he is he's the original son that was bitten by a, a bat. Um, he awakens and he has actually consumed werewolf blood while he was sleeping, and so now he's just like a hybrid. Um, then Celine and Michael kill him, and so now they've killed two vampire elders. So they were uh, vampires are really pissed off. <laughs> um, and then this is then they get into like the fourth movie. Um, which I can't remember the subtitle. There's Evolution? Or is that the second one? I don't remember. But Evolution. The third movie, uh, Michael disappears, kind of takes off on his own, um, but Celine has given birth to hers and, her, hers and Michael's daughter. Um, who is like a born hybrid. Like she's, she wasn't made a vampire or a werewolf or wasn't made into both like Michael was. She was born a hybrid. Uh, and so now her blood is being sought by both sides because she like basically has the key to uh, eliminating the weaknesses of both sides. So now we get to this this now we get to blood wars um Celine is still on the run Michael is nowhere to be found like she she doesn't know where Michael is her daughter Eve has been spirited away into hiding um Celine purposely did not know where she was going so if she was captured and tortured she wouldn't be able to tell anyone where her daughter was <clears throat> Um, since the, the, the previous leader of the werewolves has been killed, um, there's a Lucian, a new one has kind of started to rise up and he is a little more ambitious. Um, he doesn't, he doesn't go with just straight, um, are you filming me? Don't worry about it. Fucker. Patreon.com slash great podcast. <laughs> patrons exclusive behind the scenes action oh boy <laughs> how exciting for you guys you um, see tony's dumb face <laughs> um <laughs> yeah his name is marius yeah so you would say you could say it's the age of marius this is the dawning of the age of marius <laughs> god damn it <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, so Marius, he's he's basically uh, reorganizing the, the werewolves because they've kind of fallen into obscurity since um, Lucian was killed. But he's like he's starting to really like really bring them back together as an army. He's making them smarter and more uh, f more more um, uh, aggressive. But you know, being 
uh, more 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 like a, an actual army rather than just a bunch of like rebel fighters um they, i mean they're using a lot of weapons uh rather than just using their sheer strength as you know being werewolves um using specially crafted uh uv bullets bullets um but they're looking for eve they're looking for Celine so they can find out where eve is um and I'm trying to keep it all straight because there's just so much back history to this movie. Celine is called in by the one remaining vampire coven, which is the Eastern Coven. And she I'm just realizing how boring this is sounding. <laughs> Fuck me. Um Okay, so the Vampire Council, who who lives in... What was that? Nothing. Did you just kiss at the camera? No. Um, I mouthed the word sorry. Fuck you. <laughs> so, okay. So she called it into the coven. They basically said they'll give her clemency. They'll forget everything she's done. They just need her to train their new death dealers to fight the werewolves, um, which she agrees to. And she is deceived because one of the council members, um, shit, what was her name? Samira. Samira. She was also a protege of Victor, who was one of the elder, the, the elder that Selene killed in the first movie. Bill Nighy. Bill, yeah. Um, who is great. He is just a delight. Um, he's America's sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> Even though he's British. Um Lost my train of thought. Bill Nighy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so it's all about Bill Nighy. Talking um, about uh, Samira and how much she loves her boobs. She does. She does love her boobs. That robe she was wearing, man, if you can call it a robe. I mean, it, it looked like a robe that like my dog got a hold of. Right. And just chewed a thousand holes in. And made it better. <laughs> <laughs> just chewed holes in the boobs and butt. Right. Uh, and she has this... Um, Little Toady, played by the guy that played, um, uh, what's his face? Damien in that short-lived A&E show. Oh, that was that guy? Yeah. Um, basically, yeah, but they find out that Celine's trying to train the Death Dealers, um, and she gets, um, betrayed by, um, Samira and, guy had some weird name, I don't remember. Bogger. Vogger. You're so much better at names than I am. <laughs> um, so Celine goes on the run with um, David, who is the son of an el- uh, not an elder, but a council member, uh, Thomas. Um, she's accused of killing all the death dealers, which was actually Vogger and Celine, or uh, not Celine, um, Samira. And Samira is trying to drain her of all her blood because Celine has the power of the Corvinus clan, which grants her uh, immortality and uh, invincibility. Like she, Celine can walk out in the daylight. Um, she's uh, impervious to uh, UV bullets. Um, basically, anything that you would typically use to kill a vampire, she's pretty much 
been vulnerable against. Um, and that's why David can walk in the sunlight too, because in the previous movie, he was dying and Celine gave him some of his, some of her blood. Oh yeah. They talked, they did mention that. Yeah. Um, there's so much in this. Like, I feel if I feel like if I, if I miss something, then the rest of it's not going to make sense, but there's just so much to go over. Yeah. Anyway, so Marius, he is just leading an onslaught on the, on the vampire coven. Um, but now the vampires think that Celine killed all these death dealers. So they're after her again. So she escapes to the Nordic coven up in the North, <laughs> the generic North somewhere. <laughs> Presumably, like in the Scandinavia somewhere, sure seemed that way. Yeah, on account of the Nordic part, yeah, right? <laughs> um, where all these and they all looked very Scandinavian, right? <laughs> yeah, the, I mean they they lived up in you know the ice and the snow, um, and they are uh, described as basically being like the hippies of the vampires, very peace loving, um, uh, and they're very uh, include. Uh, exclusive uh they don't seek outsiders and they're they keep to themselves most of the time um but they also have this weird connection with basically what i took to be like vampire heaven that's kind of the impression i got yeah uh where they they're basically like edging (laughs) (laughs) they like edge on death um but they try to bring themselves as close to, as close to death as possible. I think they use like some kind of drug. Is that what it was? It was had something to do with the water, right? The the water, yeah, it was like kind of like a conduit of some kind to the afterlife. Um, but their their connection with this this spirit, this afterlife, um, it kind of gives them like this enlightenment of some kind. Uh, it turns their hair blonde or or almost white, almost white, yeah. Um, anyway, so, um, Celine and David go there and they're you know, brought in and this is when David finds out that he's actually the son of Amelia, who was another vampire elder. Um, and nobody knew that. So he is actually the rightful heir to the, the remaining coven, whereas Samira is trying to take over, um, So the vampire, or the, I mean, the werewolves attack this um, Nordic coven, um, and you know, both bo- many losses on both sides, and then um, Marius decides, like he he realizes that Celine actually doesn't know where her daughter is, so he says fuck it, and goes to the Eastern coven and starts laying waste to people there. Just wrecking fools. Yeah. Meanwhile, Celine was severely injured, uh, like almost on the brink of death. She was edging. <laughs> she was edging <laughs> death. Um, and she was brought back to the coven by um, Lena. Was that her name, Lena? Yeah. Um, who follows us on Instagram? That's yeah. Pretty what's cool. up, Clementine? <laughs> um, she uh, goes to this afterlife. And comes back, and now she's got these cool new teleportation powers. She basically bamps. And cool like, blonde streaks in her hair. Right. I don't know why she didn't go like full blonde like the rest of them, but whatever. 
She's it was hot. that fashionable <laughs> look. And she's all like, I seen some shit, man. <laughs> I seen some stuff and some things, man. Um Yeah. I don't know. Now I'm starting to kind of get towards the end and I'll just stop there, I guess. All right. Sorry, sorry, it sounded so boring. It's really not. It's pretty <laughs> exciting, but there's a lot going on. It's just yeah, there's a lot to explain. There's a lot of backstory and there's a lot of stuff going on in this one. It's just really hard to like give a full rundown of it. Yeah. Um, but I mean you've already explained that you're not a fan of the series, but I what what did you think as this one of this one on its own? I mean, this one it's comparable to the two that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, I'm, I don't hate this series. Like, I just, like when I saw this on the schedule, I wasn't like, oh, God, Underworld. Yeah. But it's just it's just not my thing. Mm-hmm. But, like, the two that I've seen, I can sit through them. It's fine. This one's kind of the same. Like I said, it feels very Game of Thrones to me. Um, is it because Charles Dance is in it? No. But it's just... He's in Game of Thrones, right? I have no idea. Oh. Probably. All those old British guys are... <laughs> Um, I mean, it's, it's well done. It it looks great. It's got a plenty of action to keep you going. First time, first time director and a female director. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, look up her name. I, I forget it. But, um, so, I mean, I don't have anything against it. I, I don't really have anything bad to say other than it just wasn't for me. Yeah. Um, I love the first two movies. I think they're really fucking good. Um, I mean, they're written by, uh, or they're sorry, they're directed by Len Wiseman, who's actually Kate Beckinsale's husband. Oh, really? Yeah, but I mean, he. What else did he direct? He did. Um, were they already married when before the movies came out? Um, I don't know if they were when the first one came out, but they. I mean, they were when the second one came out, which is funny, because her and um, Scott Speedman, who played Michael, they had to do a sex scene. And he, I saw an interview with him saying that it was just like super awkward. Oh, I bet. Because, you know, Len's just standing there. <laughs> as like, no, give it to my wife harder. <laughs> and it's like, I saw Kate, Kate Beckinsale and I think Wiseman both were just like, it was, it was whatever. It was work, but he was just so uncomfortable with it. <laughs> but um, no, Len Wiseman, he did, um, let's see. Live, he did Live Free or Die Hard. Which was not a particularly great movie, but it was it was filmed well. Um, and Total Recall, the remake, which again wasn't a great movie, but it looked good. Uh, it was it was done well. Anyway, um, sorry, I'm trying to find a place here. <laughs> the guy that played Marius, his last name is Menzies. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> um, it was kind of weird to me that it was like this. Marius was like this unstoppable force, and they were like making him up to be this big legend. And it's like this is his first movie. <laughs> was it his first movie? The character. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. It's like Lucian. The reason his character was so cool was because he was like the first of his kind. He basically created the werewolves himself because he was, there was, 
like I said, there was um, the the Corvina son that was bitten by a bat and turned into a werewolf or a, a vampire. And there was a son that was bitten by a wolf and turned into like the first werewolf. But the first werewolf, he was insane because he wasn't the kind that could shapeshift back to a human. He was always a werewolf. Um, and so, so he was just like a wolf with a human mind. Not even, not even really anymore, because his his mind became primitive. So he was just a wolf. Well, he he was. Uh, what's the anthropomorphic? anthropomorphic? That's the one. Um, but he was just like this big, giant sized, yeah, you know, upright wolf. Gotcha. Um, and he he would when he was loose, he was eventually like imprisoned in like a sarcophagus um for centuries but when he was loose he would run through the countryside and bite people and they would turn into ones like him just these feral wild animals um and lucian was the product of a pregnant woman being bitten by one of these and he was born essentially half like and half human and that's why he could transition between the two gotcha and from there he was like, he, you know, he was like this new breed of lichen and he could, he, his bite was infectious as well. So in, when he would bite people, they would turn into the, the, the shape-shifting lichens that we know today. <laughs> um, but the ones we've all come to know and love. Right. <laughs> the reason that his character was so cool is because he was like this rebel, like he was this freedom fighter. Uh, he was very ambitious. Um he, he knew how to um, rally the troops, essentially. Um, whereas Marius, he was just kind of a dick. I mean, like he was just like this general. It's he's like kind of like a like a general Patton type person. That's what I mean. They're all like you know they've got this new leader and he's so tough. And it's like who the fuck is he? Yeah, I mean he doesn't have this legacy behind him like yeah. Lucian does, but. Um, it's not like they tried to build him up too much, yeah. too fast, um, which makes me wonder, like, did they plan on making a part four and, and they or a part five and they killed Lucian in the last one? And they're like, oh, shit, we need a new villain. Well, they killed Lucian in the first one. Oh, um, but he came back in the prequel because the prequel was a, essentially about him um, and him creating this Lycan army because he was a slave to he was like Victor's servant. Okay. Um, back in the Dark Ages, and Victor wanted him to create an army to protect the vampires at night or during the day. So he they would capture people and force him to bite them. Interesting. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I was surprised as anyone when this came out or when they they announced they're making this. I like I would have guessed that they were done. Especially because the last one seemed like it wrapped up so well. Um, this one left the door wide open for another sequel, too. Oh, it absolutely did. But it's like, you know, Kate Beckinsale, she's kind of getting up there in years. She still looks great, but... How much longer can she rock a cat suit? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's got to be... For, for a woman her age to, to maintain that figure all the time... Or, you know, even when she's not filming and she kind of lets herself go a little bit, which I'm sure 90% of the actors out there do. Yeah. Um, you know, for her to get back into that shape, 
you know, get down to fighting weight again, it's, it's difficult for anyone, especially mm-hmm. as they get older. But, um, although trying to say this without spoiling as much as possible, the way that it leaves the door open for a sequel doesn't necessarily mean it would be as Celine heavy. Not necessarily, no. Um, but I mean, like all, almost all ties to the to the original movies have have been severed. I mean, like <laughs> all the characters are dead. Like all all the elder vampires are dead. Um, vam- uh, the werewolf leaders are dead. Just um, Celine. Yeah, I mean, it's really just she's the only common thread. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of hard to know where they'll go from here. Um, but which like when this one watching the, the trailers and, you know, from what I read about it, I, it seemed like this was going to be the last one. It really kind of felt like it was like, this is like the battle that ends it all. Yeah. But then, like I said, they're, they, they certainly seemed like they wanted to leave the option open. Right. And, you know. When you when you consider that they made this one, if you think back to the ending of the last one, they kind of did the same thing. It seemed like a nice closed ending, but just left the door open a crack. Yeah, exactly. Um, but anyway, so as far as this movie goes, in comparison to the rest of them, I'd say it falls maybe towards one of the lower rungs cuz i mean the first two were were great um this is i think this is one of those series where for the most part it it goes pretty evenly like as far as quality goes the first one's the best and then as you go down through the sequels they kind of get a little less good um i would maybe put this one ahead of the previous movie but like the first two are first and second tier. The prequel is third. I'd put this one fourth and then the, the previous one as fifth. Um, but it, it, it's even as somebody who likes the movies, I got to agree with you that it, like the story doesn't change much from movie to movie. Mm-hmm. It's always this war between vampires and werewolves. Um, you know, battle to death. You know, there's some kind of great prize at the end of it that they they've got to try and save or you know whatever. It's it's basically the premise for all of the movies. Um, so not a lot changes there. And like I said at the beginning, the horror element of it is very thin. Uh, this is definitely more of an action movie. Yeah. Um, where the characters just happen to be werewolves and vampires. <laughs> One of my favorite parts is when Marius and uh, Michael or David, 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 um, they're like shooting each other from point blank range. Yeah. <laughs> it's just having no effect on either one. Right. <laughs> well, it's like it's it's at that point that I think they're just starting to realize that neither of them can be hurt. Right. By common, common uh, means. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And it's it's when. You know, now that I'm thinking about it, it's a little confusing because they seem so... When uh, Samira, she's draining Selene of her blood 
because she wants it for herself. It's, I assumed to get any kind of powers that she received from uh, the Corvinus bloodline in the second movie. Um, that was another thing is like each movie, it seems like Celine kind of gets like an upgrade of some kind. <laughs> like in this, in the second movie, she, the, the father of the Corvinus line, like the, of the, the two brothers that were bitten by different animals, the father, basically the, the pinnacle of that bloodline, um, he, he's dying, but he tells Celine to drink his blood. And that basically gives her like this invincibility to any common threat or any, any common weakness that a vampire might have. So now she can walk in the daylight um, and she uh, can eat, garlic fries yeah to her heart's content um and she's just you know much harder to kill in general um so i assumed that's why Celine or um samira wanted to ha- take her blood but then when they're running away after they've escaped the castle um she sees that they're walking in the daylight and she's just surprised by it like well didn't you know that was part of the deal already <laughs> maybe that was like the one power she didn't know about or something i guess and you know one thing that bugged me about this and and maybe i'm just remembering the previous movies wrong whenever a vampire tastes blood from anybody they can see their memories mm-hmm. and to me from from what i'm remembering that was something that only the elders could do but now in this one, it seemed it was just like something that vampires could do in general. Because what you know, I told you like the the elders would like leapfrog through time. Yeah. Um, when they would be reviving the next one to rule for the next hundred years, the current elder would feed their blood to the the coming elder, so they would know what happened in the last hundred years. Okay. But that was something that like only elders could do correctly because otherwise the thoughts are just scattered and really chaotic. But now it seems like all vampires can do that. It's just weird. And there's no like real explanation of why elves. No. (laughs) I feel like I'm kind of starting to ramble. There's not really much else to talk about with this unless you have something. I mean, like going back to what you were saying about how she kind of gets an upgrade and then like in this one, now she can teleport. Yeah. Yeah, it's again, it's just like I'm trying to think of like like compare it to Rocky. Like in uh in Rocky, you know, he he trains with with Mickey and he gets better and he gets beat he gets good enough to beat um Apollo in Rocky 2. And then in Rocky 3, he gets his ass handed to him. So he trains with Apollo and he gets a little bit better. Maybe it's struggle. He, no, he beats Clubber Lang. Oh, but then he beats Drago in part four. Right. But in that, then he he, he trains, trains by with himself. Apo- no, he trains with Apollo's trainer. Uh forgetting his name. But when he trains in the snow, he's by himself. Well, yeah, but he's he, Apollo's trainer's there with him. And then yeah, he beats Drago. 
So it's just like he's just constantly getting like these little training upgrades. And it was kind of the same thing with Celine. Like each movie, she gets a little something extra to just kind of give her an extra. But she, can, she gets like a superpower, though. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you're talking about vampires. So you got to up the ante a little bit. Um, but yeah. So that's basically the movie. Do you have anything else to contribute? Any thoughts you may have um, had? Like I said, I thought that it was it was a good movie. I thought it was well done. I just didn't. It wasn't hard for me to sit through. Mm-hmm. It's just not my style, right? Yeah, but, and then like I said, I've only seen the first two. I thought this was on par with them. Obviously, you as someone who enjoys the franchise much more, you think it's not. You you think those two are way ahead? They're, they're, they're definitely better, um, I think. And maybe that's just because at the time that those were out, the idea was a little more fresh. That's the problem you have with sequels. And just werewolves and vampires in general. Those True. Are, I mean, you know, things like, uh, like Twilight um, and just all the werewolf movies are coming out and all the vampire movies that have come out in the last you know, 10 years or so, however long it's been since the first one came out. The the werewolf and vampire premise has been really run thin. And not just run thin, but like watered down. Yeah. When you've got shit like the originals and, you know, Twilight, mm-hmm. just making it fucking not terrifying anymore. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like those two, those two creatures of the night they've they've really lost their edge mm-hmm. just because of you know they, they've become so family friendly that they're not they're not horrific anymore and i think that's ultimately why this one the the horror aspect of it is so mundane uh and it's like you really just think of it more as just an action movie with yeah the, like like i said the fact that they're vampires and werewolves is kind of an afterthought not yeah. necessarily in the the filmmaking, but in the film watching, it's more just these two clans fighting each other, and the the fact that they are these creatures is second to the action. Right? Yeah. It, I mean, they could be they could be humans. They could be just like rival tribes of some kind. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't really the fact that they're these supernatural beings doesn't really matter. Right. Um. And yeah, I mean, like I said, when that when this first came out, like the first movie, um, that was kind of a fresh idea. It's like you know, you always think of werewolves and vampires being some kind of mortal enemies, um, but this re- the the first Underworld movie really made uh, like it gave it a history, um, and a, you know, a, not only a history but a present day context. Um, and it was just, it was really cool. It was really fresh. It was, it was an interesting idea. Now, you know, it's like, okay, werewolves and vampires. (laughs) Here we go again. Yeah. So, but I mean, I, I liked it in general. Um, not as much as I liked the first two, um, more than I liked the fourth one. The third one I consider separate, I guess. Just because it's a different story, essentially. But anyway, I don't know. Do you have anything else to say? Um, no, I don't think so. Okay, yeah, because I feel like I'm just rambling now. Um, I liked that the uh, 
Like they fought in like an octagon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they fought in like this giant bird cage, essentially. Yeah. Um Oh, you know one th- one thing that really disappointed me was um the look of the werewolves. That disappointed me. I like how the werewolves look. What disappointed me was the fact that they were all CGI. Yeah. In the first one, it was all practical. All practical? Well, for the most part, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, they, they were actually... Like, if you if you watch the DVD, like, the, the behind-the-scenes stuff, it was all, like, animatronics and stuff. It was awesome. Um, it was, um... Oh, God. Something to topless. I don't know. He does he does a lot of creature effects for different movies. Um, he was actually a judge on Face Off. Oh. Um, but, uh... Yeah, really killer effects in the first one. Um, yeah, this one is just all CGI. Yeah, and and when it was or when it wasn't, you can tell because the CGI werewolves were like these big hulking monsters. When they do like a quick cut, it, you could tell it was basically just guys painted black <laughs> with werewolf heads on. So they looked like really fucking scrawny with these giant werewolves heads. <laughs> it looked ridiculous. Um, so that was kind of disappointing. But, you know, time is money, I guess. <laughs> anyway. So, uh, let's talk turkey. Delicious. Yes. Moist. <laughs> What's your number? Uh, I'll give it a five. Okay. Mm. I want to try to think of this on its own merit. I think I'll give it a five, too. It's okay. If if you connect it to the bigger story, like if, if I were to say, like, okay, this is a continuation of movies that I already like, I might give it a six or a seven. But on a move as a movie on its own, I'd say say five. See, I'm kind of the same way. Like, I'm trying. Not to be like, oh, I don't like this franchise, so I'm going to shit on it. Because, again, like I said, it's not that I hate this franchise, and it's not like, you know, I don't dread another Underworld movie. It's just kind of there. Yeah. And like I said, it's, it's a well-done movie. It looks great. If you are a fan of the franchise, you'll probably you'll probably dig it. Yeah. Because I, I feel like it's, you know, it's in line with the rest. And if you're goth, I mean, they really took the whole dark leather look to... <laughs> they really pumped it up to 11. So, you know, if that's your thing, then... And, you know... Kate Beckinsale in a cat suit. It's, yeah, it's if hard, nothing else. It's hard to lose. <laughs> she kind of looked like she maybe had some Botox work done, though, because I didn't notice her forehead moving a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she did well. I mean, her she plays this character she's played in several movies before. And she kind of knows how it's done at this point. Yeah, um, and, you know, her supporting cast was good. Um. There wasn't really a weak link in the cast, I don't think. They all did pretty well. Yeah. And yeah, you got like Charles Dance. Um I can't think of anybody that I was just like, oh man, this guy's way over the top. Or yeah. Anything like that. But anyway. All right. Well, those are the reviews. Sorry they went on <laughs> for fucking ever. <laughs> or at least mine did. And that's the episode. That is the episode. We done. Um, thanks for sticking with us. This one was weird. I don't know. 
I'm not disappointed in it. I just feel like <laughs> we didn't bring our A game on this one. <laughs> oh, we'll be better next time. Probably, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> but we will be back in a couple of weeks. Um, at that time, we will be watching. So uh, I know your pick is Pitchfork, right? My pick, I put it on Twitter, and I asked, which would you guys rather hear, The Bye-Bye Man or The Axe Murders of Velisca? And it was a tie. Oh. So I'm going to break the tie, and I'm going to say, I'm not paying $14 to watch the fucking Bye-Bye Man. We're doing The Axe Murders of Velisca. Okay. <laughs> you know how many good, good reviews I've seen of Bye-Bye Man? None. Not a single... Well, Jessica Cameron said it was good. Hmm. Everyone else said it was garbage. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I wasn't going to say anything to you, but... <laughs> See, if it was on VOD, I'd go for it. Sure. If it was like five bucks, but I'm not, I'm not paying $14 for a movie that is, looks like shit. Yeah. I was excited about it, though, because I was like, oh, sweet, Doug Jones, creature feature, monster movie. Yeah. But then I saw the previews, and I was like, this looks terrible. It doesn't look good. And everyone says, yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen people say, like, particularly that even Doug Jones couldn't save it. That's sad. Yeah. I love Doug Jones. He's cool. This is a good guy. Okay. Um. So okay. So pitchfork and axe murders of Velisca. Velisca. Doesn't that have the the got milk guy in it again? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you know who else, who else he was? He was one of the cable guy's preferred customers. <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> anyway. Um. In the meantime, Taylor, where can people find us? They can find us at graveplotpodcast.com as well as wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, all that. We're also on all the social networks, uh, Facebook slash graveplotpodcast, Instagram slash graveplotpodcast, Twitter slash grave underscore plot, as well as patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast. Get special features for as little as a dollar a month. Yes. And we appreciate every little red cent we get from you guys. Um, and once again, yeah, working on stickers, working on shirts. Um, did you say check out our store? No, we also have uh, store.graveplotpodcast.com. We have T-shirts, hoodies, buttons, and eventually stickers. Yeah. If you, ha if you get buttons, uh, those are direct from us. Those are in our possession, so you don't have to wait for production time. Yes. Uh we ordered a shit ton. Yeah, we we have so many. <laughs> Please buy buttons. <laughs> um, and that's it. We'll yep. catch you again in a couple weeks, guys, for episode seventy-eight. Till then, I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. This has been the Grave Plot Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside.
you're taking a look 